I did get to um, get Alan put on uh, when everything was going down in Afghanistan this year. They had a pastor from Iran who's helped start churches in Afghanistan, and it was awesome. So if the gathering, if the if gathering is as awesome as that thing was, I would be there and hope. I've got my own definition. I know there's a lot of definitions for hope, but a vision of victory amongst the forecast of failure. That didn't come out clear, but vision of victory amongst, amongst the forecast of failure. So if you're in life and you're just like, man, ladies out there, if you're looking and you're not sure what the future holds, be there. Friday, it's the place to be. So a life worth dying for. My name's Derek Murphy one of the guys here on the team, and that's what we're in this series, and I've loved it. How, how are you guys enjoying this sermon series, Life Worth Dying For? Yeah, yeah we're, we're looking through the life of Jesus, right? And Jesus gives us a life that's actually worth, it's a life with enough substance that it would be worth dying for. And so last week, Dave was talking about how he was going through these woes, which was the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, but the version out of Luke. And it says, hey, if you're, if you're so full now, there's going to be a day that you're going to weep. There, there's going to be a day where you're going to feel like, oh, I'm actually, I, I should have been, been hungry then because I was so full, I missed out on what God was actually trying to do with my life and, and I should actually be looking, yearning for ways in which God can use me now. And so that last week was just a really cool message on that. I, it really personally touched me. And, uh, and today we're actually looking at a next part of the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're talking about radical love, this idea of radical love. And I think most of us can understand that a life worth dying for would be centered on love, right? Because we can, you know, most people, when they look back on their life, they don't wonder, like, how could I have made more money? Like, how could I have spent more weekends out like on the boat. They're wondering like, who did I invest in? They're thinking about their kids and their grandkids. These are the things we know people think about when they're on their deathbeds. And and so if we want to think about a life we're dying for, we got to think about how to live radical love. Now what's radical love, right? Radical love, I believe, focuses on the who and the how. It's, it's radical because it, it's different than the way we would think of love. When we think of radical love, it, it's a different who and how. And the, 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 the piece that I want to really focus on tonight is radical love actually rewrites our broken stories. That's what radical love does. And it does it in three ways. This is kind of the, the frame for tonight. Radical love is greater than our injustices. Radical love, it always leaves us with a choice, and radical love leads to a beautiful end. So it, it, has us, it gives us this ability to rewrite the brokenness in our life. And so the story tonight is out of Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. I'm just going to get right into the scripture and read it here. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. 
And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is, the, he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Pretty big one right there, right? <clears throat> now, this is radical love. This is radical love. Remember the who and the how. It's radical because the who is who? What does it say? Love your enemies. Love those who mistreat you. Love those who slap you on one cheek. Right? These are the people that we're called to love. And then the how is actually to be generous to them. That's like, not just to be like, okay, I'm just going to ignore them. Right? I'm, he's saying, hey, even if you know that somebody doesn't like you, even if you know that they're going to steal from you, you should give to them generously. Right? These are the things, these are the who and the how. So today we're going to unpack this. And I think this specific passage is easy just to read and then to ignore or to reject, right? I, I think we read this passage and we just go, okay, this is unattainable. Or, or maybe we even go to the, the place where it's like, this is unhealthy. <laughs> this is zero, there's zero boundaries. This looks like codependency. You know, like we, we look at this and we could just say, okay, I'm going to shelve that one, Jesus. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna go look for the ones that are a little easier to, to understand and to, to follow. Or you might, you might be like one of my, I, I've, I shouldn't even say this out loud, but I have cousins who've started militias here in Utah. <laughs> they might look at this and be like, that's, a, that's quite pansy, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, what in the world? What kind of thought process is this? Sorry, now you guys know what kind of stock I come from. So, uh, now, <clears throat> in... Uh, in Matthew, there's a parallel passage, and, and Jesus is actually, he actually is comparing and contrasting here. At the beginning of that passage, it says, you've heard it that, that it's said, an eye for an eye, which is one of the oldest laws in human history, right? There's the Code of Hammurabi this comes out of, and, and so this is just the way the world works. Jesus is telling us that that's how you operate. That's how you operate in the world, and I think we all understand that. In fact, I, I was at the gym with, uh, with my, my buddy Frank, and we, we, we saw a guy wearing a shirt that he put it in real plain language, this, this thought process. So you want to throw that up there? This isn't the guy, but I, I pulled this off the website. Give violence a chance. Give violence a chance. This is actually a Utah company, Lions Not Sheep. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and I was just totally shocked, and we went up to the guy, and we're like, we actually asked him, we're like, hey, tell us about your shirt. And he's like, well, you know, I grew up and I was a little guy and I, I, I you know, I just got beat up a lot. And so I started going to the gym and I got big and I got buff and I'm going to give, you know, and this is, he's just like, I'm going to protect, I'm going to protect what I got. Right. And this is, this is in some ways just the way we operate. I think the, 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 the cool thing about this guy, not like the guy I met at the gym, not necessarily this guy, I don't know if he even believes this, but he was being honest, right? He was be, he's being honest about where he's at in his life, right? He, he's like, I'm gonna, uh, I think if we're honest, this, this series is called A Life Worth Dying For. I think he's wanting to live a life worth killing for. Like, I've got stuff and I wanna protect it, right? And so if you come at me, I'm gonna give violence a chance. 
And we, we read this passage and Jesus is saying, hey, would you give something else a chance? There's this thing, this radical love that I want you to consider. And it's completely, it flips everything on its head. But you, you can't blame this guy either, right? Because you actually have a disciple of Jesus who followed Jesus for three years, heard this specific teaching as well. And when Jesus gets, you know, the whole, uh, a whole army coming at him on the Mount of Olives, right? This, he, he pulls out a sword, right? He's like, I got to defend. I got to protect. It's the exact same thought process. Got to protect my guy. And he pulls out a sword and he goes and he swings it at one of the, uh, the servants of the, the high priest. And the guy, I'm imagining, like turns and his ear gets cut off. This is Peter doing that, right? This is, this, is, this is human nature. This is just a part of who we are. At least he's being honest, right? <laughs> Give violence a chance. Well, this idea of like praying for those who mistreat us is so opposite of human nature. Like I think about that and I'm like, yeah, I'll pray for you when you mistreat me after I knock you on the floor and you're on your way to the ambulance. You know, like <laughs> that's when I'll pray for you. Well, today, my first point is this. Radical love is actually greater than injustice. Radical love is greater than injustice. I think, you know, when you think about it, we're, we're hardwired. If we're created in the same image as God, we're hardwired for justice, right? Now, part of, I think, our fallen nature, though, is that we're hardwired for justice, but then we only see ourselves, <laughs> Right? So we mostly see when injustice is happening to me, when it's happening to me. I, I've got a story about this. I, I have a true confession of a pastor. Uh, I was at a, uh, we, we had this um, flag football tournament with a bunch of other churches pre-COVID where you could do fun things like this. And uh, now our team, the K2 team, I think we had a couple teams, but I was, I was helping lead one of the teams. And uh, we were playing another church, and I don't even remember what church it was. Uh, I, I'm trying to protect uh, probably my own pride here. But we were out on the field, and I was playing, and uh, the co- there was a college pastor on the other side. And, and he was bull rushing our blockers, which if you're playing flag football, that's like you're tackling the guy in front of you. You, you can't do that. You kind of got to swim move, try to get around him, but you can't just knock him down, right? And so... There's, you know, this is church league stuff, and there's not really referees. You're just trying to work it out. And so I went up to talk to him, and I'm just like, hey, you can't bull rush our, our blockers. And I, I wasn't expecting, like, just this, oh, yeah, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll work it out. I mean, sometimes there's a little bit of conflict. And he says, I don't care. <laughs> Something in me snapped. I grabbed him by the sweatshirt and I said, you don't care? Like, you're, you're representing Jesus out here. <laughs> and, and then it hit me that I was being a huge hypocrite <laughs> representing Jesus out here. And I, I had to apologize. And uh, oh, we see injustice, right? But it's often when it's happening to us that it becomes really obvious and plain to see. Now, the injustice that was happening to the, the, these Jews in this story that Jesus is speaking about actually was true injustice. You know, it says, there, there's three examples here in this passage. If you're slapped, if your coat is taken away from you, or if somebody steals something from you, 
Now, there's actually laws against all three of these, right? If, you, if you're slapped, there's, there's at least a one shekel fine that somebody would be given. If, if your coat was taken from you, actually, that's completely against the law of Torah. Now, in Deuteronomy and Exodus, it says that if you owe somebody, if somebody owes you, you can't take their coat because their coat was actually something that they would sleep in as well. So if you took it from them because they owed you, then you actually had to give it back to them by nightfall so they could sleep. And then you had to just wait for them to pay you. So it was just making a point. Like, you owe me, I'll take it for the afternoon, and then I'm going to give it back to you so that you have a place to sleep. This is their bedding. This is their, their, where they slept, right? You couldn't take away somebody's coat. And then, we all know it's just common sense. You don't go into somebody's house and steal, right? But what is Jesus trying to speak here? Injustice, I think, it uncovers something within us. When somebody does something like this to us, it uncovers the fact that we're powerless, right? It uncovers weakness within us, and none of us like to feel weakness. What happens when we feel weakness, when we feel powerless? We, we want to try to do what I was doing right there. This, this guy in front of me, this little college ministry punk, he like told me, I don't care, and I'm, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. We get big, and we try to feel powerful when we feel weak. Now, Jesus is trying to rewrite that story for us, and he's trying to teach us a new way to respond when we feel powerless. And I just want to ask you, where in your world right now, we all have places in this right now where we feel powerless. I just want you to think real quick. Close your eyes and think of two places. Think of one relationship where you feel powerless right now. Whether you're online, close your eyes. One relationship. I've got a family member in my mind. <laughs> I don't know for you who that might be. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's just somebody that you go and you, you see when you go to Target. I don't know. Think of one relationship where you feel powerless. And, and now think of one system where you feel powerless. Now, <clears throat> I, I've just been in a system before. I don't have one right now in my mind, but I've been in a system before. It was like a boys club, right? If you showed up, the real decisions were made uh, at night around the campfire when you were smoking cigars. And, you know, if you didn't have stories about sexual conquests and all these things, then you weren't going to be part of that. And I, I just think we all have those, those systems, right? There's systems in the world where we just feel like there's no power. Now, these Jews, they had a system that was working against them, right? Rome has occupied Israel in this time period. And the Matthew story kind of tells us a little bit about this. The, the Romans had come in, and they could actually, there's, there's one more example, tangible example. It says, if somebody asks you to take their pack one mile, take it for them two, right? That's one addition. And any Roman soldier, we, we actually know this through history, could ask any Jewish male to take their pack a mile. It was law, legal in the Roman Empire. Didn't matter if you were in the middle of sitting down to dinner with your family. Didn't matter if you were working your shop for your business. It didn't matter if you had something going on. Didn't matter if you're an official and you're going to court. Did not matter. They could say, hey, you, take my pack. Right? So, so this is what's happening. Rome is occupied. They could slap you. They could take their coat, your coat from you. If they were cold, they say, hey, give me your coat. I want that for the night. And they could take it legally under Roman law. And so these people are feeling 
powerless in this season. So how in the world is radical love greater than injustice? Well, that leads us into the second point. His radical love, it rewrites our response to injustice. That's how it's greater than injustice. Radical love, remember, it rewrites our brokenness and our broken stories, and it rewrites our response by giving us a choice. That's the second point. Radical love always leaves us a choice. <clears throat> now, here's what happens when we head into this sort of uh, injustice in a, in a specific s- situation. We feel like we have no other way forward. Powerlessness means that we don't have a choice, right? Now, Jesus he, he sees that our, our, he created us, so he knows our typical response to this sort of feeling is fight or flight, right? And now he's saying, hey, I'm going to give you a third option. I'm going to give you a different way to respond. We don't have to respond in the typical fight or flight sort of method. Now, in this day, in this age, there was two new groups on the Jewish landscape. There was the zealots. Now, the zealots, they, they were picking the fight response, they, they were actually training and learning how to go into crowds and, and stab people. Romans, Roman officials with daggers, right? And the, the Essenes, they, they decided, we're going to just opt out of this altogether, and we're going to go to the mountaintops, and we're going to learn Torah, and we're going to teach our kids that. So th- you, you've got this actually happening within the culture in that time. And Jesus is saying, hey, I actually have a different way. Radical love rewrites our stories because radical love gives us a third option. It doesn't mean that if you choose the path of radical love that you become a doormat. If you choose the path of radical love, you're actually going from being powerless, having no other option, to actually reclaiming your power. Deciding that nobody can take that away from you. Instead of going just one mile, I'm going to decide to go two miles. Instead of being slapped on one cheek, I'm going to decide to give you another cheek. Oh, you have some aggression that you need to work out. Okay, I'll I'll help you work that out. You got some anger problems. I'll, I'll, I'll work with you on that. Go ahead and hit the other cheek. It takes the powerlessness and says, hey, I'm going to turn that on its head and I'm going to take that power back. Slap me again. Steal from me. You can abuse me. That's all right. It takes blessing and gives blessing for insults. It returns generosity for theft. It gives grace where there's abuse, and it is freedom. Just think about this. Nobody can take anything from you if you live this sort of life that Jesus called us to, which is radical love. It's like Paul and Silas. They get put in prison in the book of Acts, and instead of sitting there like wondering, oh man, what are we going to get out of this? They're sitting in there singing praise songs going, hey, nobody can take anything from us. We've got everything in the world right now. That's the sort of freedom that we can all live that Jesus is calling us to. We're never powerless. We can always choose radical love. Power, there's a power to rewrite our story. And that actually is a power that rewrites, first of all, our own story. I know working with people who have gone through trauma, people with PTSD, one of the hardest parts about that is that when you go through a trauma like that, you feel powerless. That's one of the words that I hear over and over and over again. And when we live this sort of lifestyle, trauma doesn't 
hit us the same way. When abuse or bad things happen to us and we decide to step into the power that God has given us and say, I choose to respond with love, it gives us a different sort of way that changes our own story. It changes our life and it rewrites the way that we see trauma. It says, oh, that that wasn't trauma. I actually chose to step into loving that person. In the midst of them even trying to abuse me, they couldn't because I actually chose a different option. I chose a third way. It wasn't fight or flight. It was love, radical love, that loved my enemy. It's amazing. Now, it doesn't just rewrite our story, right? Powerful love, it gives us a choice. And because of that choice, that's the third point, is that radical love leads to beautiful ends. Not just for us, but radical love leads to a different sort of life for the whole world. I mentioned that story earlier about Peter cutting off the ear of the high priest servant, Malchus. Now, right after that, Jesus says, hey, there's a system in the world, right? If, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. If you give violence a chance, there's a good chance that violence will happen back to you. And, and what he's saying is that if you, if you live this sort of way where you're just trying to protect, you're trying to hold on to power at every cost, it's going to come to bad. But the end is not going to be good, right? But... Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, at the end of this, he says, if you take radical love, and you, you, actually at verse 35, then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. We're actually stepping into a whole different sort of identity. And the reward is great. There's beautiful ends to this sort of lifestyle. Radical love doesn't just rewrite our story, it rewrites history. Martin Luther King Jr. said, basically repackaged what Jesus said. He said, violence begets violence. And there's actually amazing academic research. Some of you who are out there who are just, you're the amazing intellects in the room, which is probably most of you, right? But it's... There's this, this guy named Rene Girard, and he, he, he put together this thing called the mimetic theory. And so if you want to go and do more research, go look up Rene Girard and the mimetic theory. He just proves this, this same fact that Jesus proved to say, hey, there's, there's only one thing that can actually change violence. And that's if you walk in with love. You walk in with a different sort. If you, if you hurt somebody, the likelihood is they're just going to come back and hurt you. If you kill somebody, the likelihood is their kids are going to come back and kill you. It's just this cycle that keeps happening all throughout the world. It's a broken system, right? What, what, look, at, look at like Ukraine right now. What in the world? I thought we were done with this tension with Russia and all this sort of thing that's going on. Wasn't that done 20 or 30 years ago? Oh, it just keeps happening. The cycle keeps coming back. Violence begets violence. But Jesus says, hey, I'm going to come in and change this system. I don't know. How many of you are sitting there wondering, how does, like, you're, you're, you're working in a system that you feel like is working against you. You're working in a system that feels broken. You can't figure out why. Maybe you couldn't even put your finger on it. But <clears throat> there's this passage in Revelation chapter 5 that's really touched me. Last year, in fact, I was reading this from my quiet time in February. And 
John is seeing this vision and God's holding this scroll and it's a scroll with seven seals on it and he gives it to an angel and the angel takes it and he says, who can open this scroll? And it said, nobody in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll. And John wept. He wept. It felt like something that could that just was, wasn't able to be unlocked, right? This scroll. I, I don't know. You might have places in your life that feel like they just can't be opened. Nobody can do it. You haven't been able to do it. Nobody you've seen can do it. John felt that. He wept. And then it says, then the lion showed up. Remember the hat? Lions, not lambs. The lion of Judah showed up on the scene. What did that lion look like? says the lion looked like a slain lamb. Now, we worship a lion. But the way in which our lion makes himself great is by sacrificing himself, laying down his life. He's the only one that can open the scroll. He's the only one that can open the scroll. So if you're looking at systems, if you're looking at areas in your life that seem like they're unlocked, they're, they're, they're not able to be open. They need broken down. The only path forward, that I, I think, for most of these things is a whole different system. And it's a system that's built on the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus who said, I'm willing to lay down my life. It's a hard message. It's a hard message because most of us want to protect our life. We, we, want, we want to try to hold on to the things that we have. And Jesus says, hey, lend to those who are going to steal from you. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> like, what sort of craziness is that? Well, it changes everything. Radical love changes radical people and radical systems. There's a guy named Daryl Davis. He's a, a blues musician. He's black. And over 30 years... He's collected 200 robes of Klansmen from the KKK just by sitting down and having conversations with them and befriending them. He didn't lift up all the injustice that's been done to him and his people. Instead, he, he went and he, he, he got to know these people and loved them and cared for them. And as they got to know him and loved him, they thought, this is wrong what I'm doing. I'm, gonna, I, I'm actually going to give this thing to you. I don't want it anymore. Rewrites stories. That's what radical love does. It rewrites systems. There's South Africa. One, it's the richest country in Africa uh, with most justice going on in Africa right now. But not that long ago, in the 80s and 90s, apartheid was happening. Civil war was about to rip that country apart. There was major racism going on there. Incredible injustice. And instead of just trying to take every single person that had done abuse throughout those years of apartheid, Nelson Mandela and Bishop Desmond Tutu, they, they, they put together the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And they said, hey, let's find a different way to bring justice into the world. And, and so they, they looked for these ways to restore people, not just to 
take, take away from them. And so like there's this one story that just cut me to the heart about a woman whose husband had been killed in front of her. Her kids were killed in front of her. And then she was raped. And they took her abuser and they said, hey, you stole the ability for this woman to be a mother. You're going to go back every day and serve her and take care of her and allow her to be a mother to you. And I sat there and I watched both of them tell this story. And you go, how is that even possible? In what world would a system put those two people back into the same room, an abuser and the person who's been victimized? In what world can that even happen? It's a world that can rewrite systems. Radical love can do that. And today we've got a country that's not without its problems, but it's doing better than most of the countries around it. It's inspired by people like Martin Luther King Jr. <clears throat> now, other systems like the Cold War, right? We're talking about that. It wasn't concluded by one side having more nukes than the other. It wasn't concluded by Reagan telling Gorbachev to tear down his wall. It was concluded because Reagan and Gorbachev met after eight years of complete silence in 1985 and had a conversation, not about politics, but they got to know each other and their families. And they began to love each other. And then they met every year while Reagan was in office at least five more times. I believe that's what changed it. Radical love has the power to change people, has the power to change history, has the power to change your story. Where's that power come from? It's a radical power. It's a radical power. And there's this passage in Romans chapter 8, and it says that we're more than conquerors. And, and it says we're more than conquerors when we actually step into this sort of love. It says in, in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? For as it's written, you face, for, we, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors because we step into this life of facing death all day long like sheep to be slaughtered. What's the answer? How do we live that sort of life? Just a few verses before this, it says, the way we face that is we know that God is for us and nothing can separate us from his love. Jesus was the first one who stepped into this sort of life of radical love. He actually modeled it for us. He's the slain lamb. He showed us how to do it. And he showed us this radical love, this reckless love. When we walk into it, nothing can stop us. Not troubles, not hardships, not persecution, not famine, not nakedness, not the sword, not death itself can stop us. Because when we step into that sort of love, it changes everything. We become like lambs to be slaughtered, but we also become more than conquerors. So what are we going to decide today as we step forward? Are we going to choose this life of radical love? Well, how do we do that? 
Well, I think today we have to ask some questions, some honest questions. I'm going to ask the band to come up here. And here's my questions. Where's there tension in your life? Where's there tension? Where have you stopped growing? Where's the relational distance? These are some questions that will help you identify where maybe you need to inject some radical love. It could be a person or it could be a system. A system is only going to be changed when you love a person, though. And then I have another question that's not going to be on the screen. What are you willing to lay down to see that radical love change that person? One, is it going to be forgiving that person? Is it going to be pride that you need to lay down? Is, it's just been you guys going back and forth, trying to feel like one's bigger than the other. Is it going to be security, actually your own protection? What, what is it going to be? Those are the things that can rewrite history if we're willing to lay them down. Walk in the path of the slain lamb. This is a hard message. But we have, to, we, we have the opportunity to choose something that will change everything. And so sitting here today, I have the question, what are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to give violence a chance? That's normal. That's the way the world operates. That's how things work, right? Or are we going to choose to give this radical love a chance? Do you choose to live a life worth dying for? Or a life of self-protection, a life worth killing for? Do you you choose to live a life that's constantly identified by fear? Fear of what you're going to lose? Or do you choose to live a life that's identified by what you can give the world? It doesn't matter what anybody else takes. We don't get to choose what people take from us. We only get to choose how we respond. I want to rewrite my story. plenty of options to grab people by the sweatshirt and call them to task, right? I want to rewrite my story. I want something different. Let's pray. Lord, there's plenty of opportunities for us to live like Peter, to try to protect our man, to try to Even, I think some of our motivations come out of trying to protect you and your reputation. But God, you say, hey, I'm willing to lay down my life. And Lord, you invite us to walk into the same sort of life. A life where we can be a conqueror. Not because we've taken, but because we've been willing to give. Lord, I I pray right now that you would fill us with your reckless love. Lord, I I pray that you would help us take a higher path. Lord, call us to something more than just this life. 
Lord, we want more than just these few years that we spend on this earth. Lord, we, we want to live for something greater than ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would empower us. Lord, that your love, your love that gave its life while we were still your enemies would allow us to walk the same path of loving our enemies. Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you for calling us something greater, something higher, something more meaningful. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.